Lord, we, we praise you and we thank you just for the ways that you answer prayer. Father, the ways that you see, the ways that you hear, and the ways that you just move uh, so powerfully. Father, thank you that, uh, for that promise that, that wherever we go, that we don't have to be afraid because you're with us. Your Holy Spirit is in us, but you're also with us in just powerful ways. And so I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your presence here in this space. Jesus, I thank you for your, uh, your promise that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you're going to be there uh, among them. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for, for being here. Um, and I thank you for all just the powerful ways uh, that you're moving. And God, I just pray and, and ask that you continue to open up our hearts more and more to you. Jesus, that we would see you for who you are today. That we would see you clearly. And there's so much that we know about you. So, so many ways that we have seen you work. So many ways that we've come to understand who you are, Jesus. But, but even as I say that, I know that there's just so much more. There's so much more about you. And so I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our eyes today. So that we could see Jesus more and more clearly. That we would see you, Jesus, high and lifted up. Exalted, reigning and ruling. But also as the one who just walks with us. Our Savior who died for us. And so Holy Spirit, reveal more and more of Jesus to us today. We want, uh, we want to bring glory to him in everything that we do. And it's in his name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I just so delight every time I see, you know, just people gathered around one another praying and just putting hands on, on people and praying for them. And I love that kids get to see that because I wanted my kids uh, to grow up understanding that prayer isn't just uh, pray just like, you know, with your hands folded and, and just praying even though you can do that. But that prayer is like you're going to lay hands on people and expect that God is going to move in, in powerful ways. And so I love, I love that we, we do that. And again, like I'll never take that uh, for granted. Well, if you have a, a Bible, turn to Philippians 2. Um, and over the next week, this week and next week, we want to look at Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And uh, this week, I had a, a memory flashback uh, in my mind. Uh, a memory from childhood. And, and maybe it was the Holy Spirit. Maybe it wasn't. But um, there was something that came every, I think, November time frame. In the mail, something I didn't ask for, something that just uh, appeared, something that just came in the mail, and uh, I loved receiving this every November. And uh, I don't know, maybe like the younger ones in here, you're not going to know what this is, but those like my age and older, um, you probably will recognize it. And it was the Sears Christmas catalog. I think I got I got a picture up there from 1992. Look at those sweaters that those kids are wearing. 1992, and it was, it was you know, they, they were smart. They didn't call it a catalog. They called it a wish book, and I would take that thing, and I would look through it and, and dog ear the pages and circle things that, that I, I wanted, and I would circle, like, numerous things, and, and here's, like, a picture. I think this was uh, from 1985. Like, look at those G.I. Joe toys. Like, that was, like, 10 years old. You know, that was, I would come home from school every afternoon and turn on G.I. Joe and watch 
you know, until my parents came home and ate rows of, of Chips Ahoy cookies and just pounded them because both my parents were at work. It was just awesome. And now I do feel bad for my kids because I'm like, hey, how many cookies did you eat? Like fully aware that like I would eat the whole row when mom and dad uh, weren't home. But uh, I think there's another page, uh, Transformers. Uh, I wish I could see the prices. Like those things uh, have gone up in price. But I would circle this. And just really love, like, pouring over this and saying, like, hey, mom, like, this is what I really want for Christmas. And I would lay it, you know, on the counter with pages open and just hoping and praying and begging that some of those things would make their way to the Christmas tree on on December 25th. Well, we don't have the Christmas wish list anymore, the Christmas, Christmas catalog. I don't know if they mail them out anymore or whatever, but we do have Amazon. And I don't know how many families where this happens, like where you get a Christmas list from your kids and it's filled with Amazon links. It's like, here you go. And it's, it's made it really easy to shop. It's like, just click the Amazon link and then the UPS truck comes up uh, in a couple of days and you're like, voila, this is, this is a beautiful thing. It actually truly is pretty amazing and pretty lazy, like, you know, as we are, but it's awesome. Um, but I, I hold that up in one hand. Like, that's Christmas, and I I love that aspect of Christmas, and gathering together with family and getting gifts, and and there really is something, like, beautiful and magical about that. But then there's also what we're going to read today in the Christmas story, and and really a different aspect of the Christmas story. And I really put these two up because you have this one culture, and I've shared this before, like, we are in this me-focused culture where we think that life is all about us. That we're worried about, like, what can we get? Um, is anybody seeing us? Like, we're really focused on us. We're a me-focused culture. But then it comes into clash with a culture of Scripture and a culture of Jesus, one that I believe is fully represented in the manger and what we're going to see. It's a Christmas culture where Jesus emptied himself and became a baby. The Son of God, the very God himself, and we're going to look at passages that speak about that, became a baby, humbled himself, and came in a lowly form in a manger. This was actually the first thing that Restoration Church ever built, and it was Izzy Vandermoss who built this manger, and it's still one year old. Look at that, still in shape. But I want to look at Philippians 2, and it's maybe not like your stereotypical Christmas passage, but I believe it is a powerful Christmas passage and something that we can... Uh, this week, to dive into and see Jesus for who he is. And my prayer is like this morning, is that we would just be reminded of the one who came to us and who he is. And next week, we're going to talk about implications and what that all means to us. But listen to these words from Philippians 2. Paul is writing to a community and he says this, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if you have any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, Any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We want to, as we read this, we want to like jump into verses where like, here's what we want you to do. Like verse three just says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Don't look at your own interests only, but look at to the interests of others. And I read those verses and I'm like, okay, how are we to do that? How are we to live this life? How are we to walk this out? And Paul says this, this is how I want you to do this. He gets to the next verse and he says, have this mind among yourselves. This mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He said somewhere else in scripture, he says, you have been given the mind of Christ. So have this mind among you, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who though he was in form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He became a servant. He became obedient even to, obedient even to the point of dying on a cross. The most shameful way anybody could die. Jesus, the son of God, Jesus who is fully God, emptied himself. And the way of Jesus is one of down, 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 becoming less and less and less. And this morning what I want to do is just, I want for a moment, before we even talk about humility, I want to, to, to remind ourselves. I want us just to think for a moment. And we've heard this before, but really with our imagination, just imagine and remember all that Jesus gave up in coming to earth as a baby. I mean, so often I think we want to minimize Jesus. We want to look at his 33 years and say, okay, he taught some things and he did some things, he healed some people, but, but, but Jesus was so much more, is so much more than the 33 years of life that he lived on this earth. I used to have conversations when we lived up on the north side of Holland near Camp Geneva with a couple Jehovah Witnesses that would come by. And I would see them walking down the bike path and they would wear their ties. And I'm like, that's interesting attire in the middle of summer that you wear a tie and a suit. And walking down by the beach. And they would come and they would knock on, on my door and, and they would try to convince me of, of what they would believe. And I remember this older gentleman would come up and he would talk to me. And then I would answer his questions and I would give him some things to think about. And then he would go away. And then in about a week, he'd come back with somebody else. And we would have another conversation and and I would answer his questions and I would give them something to think about and he would go away and he would come back with somebody else. And I'm like, you're bringing different people. Like, who are these people? And I guess like it was his boss and another boss and another boss and he's, he's bringing people to answer the questions. But this went on for a long time and Cece would always give me a hard time. She's like, why are you giving these people like the time of day? Why are you talking to them? I'm like, it's kind of fun. It's, it's fun having this, this interaction with them. And she's like, you got a weird twisted sense of fun. But I enjoyed doing it until I got to this one point. I'm like, you haven't asked me any question about my family, about my life. Like you have no interest in me. All you want to do is change my uh, opinions on things, my beliefs on things so that you get the credit. But in that conversation, I learned that Jehovah Witnesses, they believe very differently about Jesus than we do. They have minimized Jesus. They have made him just a son of God, not God, firstborn, begotten of the Father, but not God. They, they erase the, the divinity of Jesus in saying that he is not God. And actually, though, as I thought about 
the way that they believe, I thought about people in the church, people that I've known, how, how we in our lives minimize who Jesus is. Remember having a, a conversation with somebody in the church and they're like, Jesus wasn't there at creation. He didn't create. I'm like, what? You don't understand like, the bigness of Jesus? And I remember also times, and I haven't seen this, uh, this lately, but that people would wear t-shirts that would say, Jesus is my homeboy. And I'm like, I get what you're saying by wearing those t-shirts that Jesus is your homeboy. You're, you're, you're talking about him being a friend and he is our friend, but he is so much more than that. And this morning, I want to draw back from the manger. I want to draw back and just read verses, read verses that we know and just get that picture again of who Jesus is. Frankly, I believe like all aspects of the Trinity, the Father and the Spirit have been minimized. That we could go a long way in maximizing who the Father is and His power and His love and also the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and His constant activity in our lives. But just in this season, I want us to focus on elevating and maximizing who Jesus is. Because as we approach Christmas, I don't want the story to be familiar. I want it to capture our hearts again in a new that the Son of God, God Himself, would come to us, would move towards us like we read in Philippians 2, that He would empty Himself of all glory and come and be born in a manger. In John 20, there's an interesting verse where John writes and he's talking about Jesus interacting with people and them not having faith and them not believing. And then he shares prophecies from Isaiah. And he said, Isaiah wrote this because he saw Jesus. I mean, that blows me away. Isaiah wrote these prophecies because he saw Jesus. And everybody would have known about the encounter that Isaiah had with Jesus if we look at it through John 20 or John 12. Isaiah had this encounter. Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. This is a picture of Jesus. Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of the rope filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is a picture of Jesus before he came to earth. Before he was born in a manger. One who is high and lifted up. One who is exalted. One who the seraphim never stopped singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Fast forward to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John writes in the very beginning of his gospel something very different than the other gospels. He's writing to a, a culture that was looking for this secret knowledge to possess so that they could be um, righteous. And John is saying, let me tell you about this one that you're looking for. Let me tell you about this secret knowledge and this secret word. And, and frankly, his name is Jesus. And so John begins his gospel and he writes this and he says this about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was nothing, not anything made that has been made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that passage. In the beginning was 
the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, everything was made through Him. He is life. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. John's speaking about Jesus. Jesus, before He came to earth, Jesus, before He stepped into the manger. Colossians 1, and we won't read those verses, but Colossians 1 speaks about the same thing. That by Jesus, everything was created. And everything was created by him and for him. And he's holding everything in the palm of his hands. But fast forward to Hebrews chapter 1. We read these verses at the beginning of the year. And this is just speaking powerfully about Jesus. Long ago, and in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. There we see the transition. There it goes from Jesus being the one who created the world. And after making purification for sins, he is now exalted at the right hand of the Father. And he sat down showing that the work is finished, that he, he atoned for all of our sins. And he is right now at the right hand of the Father. And the last verse that I want to read that gives us a picture of Jesus is who he is right now. This is what is happening right now in the heavens. This is Jesus today. Says this in Revelation 5. John got the picture here of the throne. Revelation 5, verse 6. Between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven, uh, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. And every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And I know that's a lot of scripture that I read this morning, but I want us to get this powerful picture that the one who came laying in a manger, the one who came into a cave, the one who, who came and was born of a virgin was God himself. Jesus, God himself, the one who was worshipped at the very beginning of time, the one who has always been worshipped, the one who will always be worshipped, left the glory of heaven behind, humbled himself, and became a baby. This is what I want us to remember this morning. 
This Jesus who we worship. Jesus who came to the earth and, and humbled himself. Walked the, the dirt of the ground. Came into to, to a town that was really insignificant. He left so much behind. He emptied himself of all of this glory. Why? Because he was motivated by love for you and I. And I never want to take this for granted. And so this morning, this morning, I just want us to stop and to pause. And I want us to, to sing and just worship Jesus and use our imagination to, to, to picture Jesus for who he is. And I know that we say, hey, stand if you can and worship. But I want you just to be free to worship Jesus however you want to worship him. And maybe you need to kneel. Maybe as we sing this song, Revelation song, maybe you just need to, to kneel and to, 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 to throw your hands up and just surrender to him. My prayer this morning is that we would see Jesus, the baby, for who he is. Fully God, fully man. One who is deserving of all of our worship and all of our adoration.
recipients of the greatest act of love and humility this world has ever seen. That Jesus would leave the glory of heaven behind and would humble himself becoming a man and going all the way to the cross even saying to his father, if there's any other way, then, then so be it. But not my will, your will be done. And there was no other way and he went all the way to the cross for our sins. That is what sets us apart, is the belief in the fact that the Son of God, God himself, came to us and did what we couldn't do ourselves, dying on the cross, and in turn making us a new creation. He who knew no sin became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want us this week just to ponder that and think about that. And to allow that to transform our lives and not get too busy to the activity part, but be amazed at the beauty of Christmas that Jesus would come to us. And there are so many implications for a lost and hurting world that we're going to talk about next week. But I want us to again be amazed. And also, this morning, there's a gift of salvation that we are only made righteous 
through the blood of Jesus, through our faith in Jesus. It's not through how many times you read your Bible. It's not through how many times you pray. It's not through any of that. It is only through faith in Jesus. And maybe there's some in this room that have never put their faith in Jesus. You've still been, been trying to, to clean yourself up by righteous acts. But the Bible says that those are just filthy rags. The only way to be righteous, the only way to be made clean is through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so today, I pray that today would be the day of your salvation. If you, if you have not put your faith in Jesus, that you would trust in him and him alone. That he did what you can't do for yourself. And that's restore your relationship to God the Father. But it's only through faith in his name. So my prayer is that today you'd open up your heart fully to Jesus. But as we end our time together, I just want to sing one more song and just worshiping Jesus for who he is. And if you would like prayer for anything, people will be up on the, on the, by the walls on the side here. You can go and receive prayer from anyone on our, on our prayer teams. We'd love to pray with you. But let's continue to worship the Lord together.
just so amazing that, that the God of the universe would move towards us. But it also demands that we move towards others. That we go and be the, the hands and feet of Jesus. And I love, frankly, the visible example that we saw, that we just saw of this taking place. I'm just going to share. Jimena has been wrestling for a couple weeks, knowing that she should go pray for Ryan. And so she's like, hey, can I go come up and pray for Ryan? And so she just went over and did that. And through a child this morning, I learned the importance of obedience. We all learn the importance of obedience. That as the Spirit plucks in our minds and our hearts and our spirits and says, go do this, that we would be bold in our obedience. Because the one Jesus who left the glories of heaven behind came to us, invites us to go to others with the hope that we have found in Jesus. And so Restoration Church, this week, may we be the hands and feet of Jesus. May we be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. That we would go that we would tell others of the hope that we have found in you, Jesus. But Jesus, again this week, may we just be overwhelmed with joy. May you restore unto us the joy of your salvation, the beautiful gift of Christmas and you coming towards us and fully knowing as well that one day you will come again and that we will see you face to face in all of your glory. And oh, what a day that will be. And until then, we just say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But we also pray that you would use us in this broken world this week. All for your glory, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you as we pick up chairs and kind of hang out here to, to be obedient to the prompts that the Holy Spirit gives you. To go talk to a person. To pray for a person. Because what happens after the service is just as important as what happens during. And so... God bless. Have a great Sunday and a great week. Way to go, Mimi. Thanks. I'm, I'm so proud of you.